Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the October 22nd episode. Um, we are starting in 1 Kings, 1 Thessalonians, and Daniel. Daniel 1 even. That's convenient. Yeah, we read half of Daniel this week. Yeah. And I think I read Daniel in one sitting, which was pretty fun. The last chapter of Daniel was where it starts to get visions. Hairy. Yeah. 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 But the first part is mostly just the story and it's really easy reading. Yeah. It was really cool to have it line up with Thessalonians. The second verse of Thessalonians. Yes. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Yep. Yes. That was really helpful actually in my brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know that we ever announced our winner for October, but Rita Eklund won the, um, so we'll get in touch with her. She was wearing her love your neighbor sweatshirt the other day at church. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, which she got one, one does of, she have? The crew neck got, or the Yeah, hoodie? she has the crew neck one, mm. which I wear mine a lot. I'm it's anti crew neck. It's like one of my favorite things to pull on in the morning when I roll out of bed when I'm getting yeah. started school. Like it's really cute. The first thing I have marked in First Kings was something I wanted to ask you about because I didn't really go back and look. So Elijah. At the very beginning, when Jezebel's threatening him, he runs to Beersheba. Did we recently just talk about Beersheba and something? Is that where Jacob, maybe mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the Genesis today. What happened in Beersheba? Uh, several things. have. I mean, it's this is one of those like recurring places like Bethel or things. Right, happen. right, right. Beersheba is the area of the wilderness where Hagar was sent. It okay. is where Jacob had... Um, his interaction with the angels going up and down from that's what it was. Heaven. The ladder. Okay. Yep. I knew there was something about Jacob. What else happens in Beersheba? Several things happen in Beersheba, but those okay. are the two things that come most readily to mind. So that's where he goes. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. He, he runs there life. when he came to Beersheba, which is kind life. of cool because that's like, it's almost like this ref that would be an interesting thing to trace. Like, cause the things that you the just wilderness. mentioned, well, almost like it's a refuge kind of like God takes people there. Although Hagar goes there to die. No, but, but yeah, that's God where meets her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It almost, it seems like it's clearly a place in the wilderness where people go to be alone. Yes. But and then God, so many times. And again, an angel, same thing with Elijah here, an angel comes and meets him and yes. And attends him. to yeah. him. Yeah. This makes me think of Jesus going into the wilderness and when he's done, the angels come and attend mm-hmm. to him and yeah. bring him. Um, yeah. um, so I, what makes me wonder whether when Jesus lots is driven of, into the wilderness, whether that's the area that maybe. he goes to lots of supernatural activity happening in Beersheba. Yeah. Take me to Beersheba. No, don't take me to Beersheba. Mm-hmm. You go. That's a hard place to go. Yeah. Something bad has happened. If you're going to Beersheba. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. So there is that. And that's actually the part that I had was that it just reminded, made me think of Jesus. And then, oh, it just said Elijah's story is just, I don't know. I just, Elijah's story is beautiful. It's, it's hard 
because it's mm-hmm. the life of a prophet. And, you know, you just did Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We know what a, the life of a prophet is. It's like lonely and hard. Mm-hmm. The burden, it's a big burden. Yeah. Um, not that it's too much because God makes our burdens light when we do it for him, but still just the, the, the bear, the burden that a prophet bears is not, is not easy. And so my, the highlight that I have from 19 is in verse 18, because Elisha is like, there's nobody, everybody's gone. Mm -hmm. I have nobody. And he says, but I will leave 7,000 in Israel and every knee that is not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So just the God gives them like, that's just reminder that you won't be, it's going to feel you might feel like you're alone, but mm-hmm. I'm, there's a remnant. There are people around you that mm-hmm. are, and I feel like that's even good for us right now, just because I think, especially in the American church, it just feels so dark and sad. Mm-hmm. And like, you, like you look around, like I it almost, when we were reading in Colossians and first and second Thessalonians, where it talks to Jesus says, or Paul says twice, don't be idle. Like, be careful not to get, be idle, you know? And I feel like I just, that's like the, just the sense that I get when I look around, like so many of us call ourselves believers. And it just seems like we're just so idle with our faith, like just not doing a thing with it and lazy. And I don't know, it's just kind of a good reminder that even if, even if I'm right, which I'm probably not like my perspective of it is not probably a hundred percent, but even if I'm right and the American church is lazy, we are very, very small portion of the church. Like we, America's church is not, is not the church. It is the church is around the globe. And there are a bunch of people who are in Beersheba who have been driven into Beersheba because of persecution or whatever. And they're very much alive and very much not idle Mm -hmm. in their faith. I don't know. I like that. I noticed that Elisha when Elijah, if I know Elisha was with the 12th team, I just like that. Like Jesus, God always picks the, the last one. The, wait, what? The 12th team? Yeah. Elisha was with the oxen in the field and there were 12 teams of oxen were in front of him. And he was oh. the, with the 12th team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. And then like, you don't see anything of Elisha. Right. For a while, like after at all until he comes mm-hmm. Until they're until, until Elijah's, Elijah's ready leaving. to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was kind of thinking, I was like, how do I, why do I get them mixed up? If like, they're never a part of the same story until well, that their names sound almost exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. And there, and Elijah seems like the, the greater prophet, but at the end, which ahead. is interesting. So when I was reading it this week, I was thinking, man, Elisha did some crazy stuff. Well, he like, asked for a double portion. Right. And I like you, Elijah yeah. is the one that comes to my mind first. Like you're right. Elijah is kind of secondary in my head, but he, yeah. does, he gets busy real fast. He's not secondary at all. And that yeah. actually is what reminded me of, um, that also just kind of reminded me of how Jesus came first and it, he gave us his spirit. And he said to us, when I leave, you'll do greater works than these. Like he's mm-hmm. like, he, Jesus is the son of God. And yet he leaves us his spirit and his choices to give us the ability to do greater works than him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, just that it doesn't make any sense just no. it, in my head. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what yeah. it made me think of is the, and, and their love for each other. I think it was their love for each other as he was getting ready to depart and Elisha's like de- desperation for Elijah. Like he just, 
loved him so much. And you could tell like, just the grief was like overwhelming mm-hmm. to even watch that for whatever reason, I found that passage so moving. So it just made me think of Jesus and his disciples and that, like just the grief that Jesus had in leaving and then the grief that they experienced in him and watching being, him leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And him being watching him leave and being gone. And, um, and then that idea that he asks for a double portion and Elijah goes on to do, he doesn't even need, he like thinks he's going to take Elijah's mantle and part the mm-hmm. waters and he does it. And then at the end of the day, he doesn't like, he literally just touches it himself. And mm-hmm. yeah, just that discovery of what it means to be given the power of God. Mm-hmm. It's moving and it's very much kind of who we are. Like we have a lot to discover about what it means to have the spirit of God in us mm-hmm. and what we're capable, what it means to do greater works in these here on yeah. earth. <laughs> this is going back and it's kind of yeah, a, downer, yeah, yeah. a downer after that. But one of the things that stuck out to me, that was kind of like a, like a check, like it may, it, I think it make me kind of made me check myself is Ahab in chapter 20, verse 13 they're, they're going into a battle and the, that's a prophet. There's a lone prophet that approaches Ahab king of Israel. And he says, basically look at the, look at this like mob of people that you're going to fight against. I'm turning it over to you this very day. And you'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am God <clears throat> says this to Ahab. And this is literally like what two chapters after the whole prophets of Baal situation, mm. which Ahab also observed. And so just that whole, like, it just made me think, why do we need so much proof? Like why Ahab shouldn't have needed anything. Like, can you even imagine watching that prophets of Baal thing happen? I, I mean, I can't wrap my head around that yet. God's like, okay, I'll show you another way. And you'll know for sure that I'm God. Like, it's like this, the, both of the things together, like this frustration with humanity that we need so much proof and and God's compassion to be like, okay, I get it. I, I know that you're dust and I'll, here you go. Yes. I'll show you again. I think that, you know, if we're going to tie books together, that totally makes me think of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. It's like Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. Literally exactly. watches four people in the fire and yep. yet he still needs that arrogance of Yes. Yeah. Again and again, like he's seeing miracle upon miracle upon miracle, the lion's right. den, the four guys in the fire. And then, and then he has still has to be driven out into the mm-hmm. wilderness. Like he says this incredible prayer like, beforehand, yes. and then still he has to be driven into the wilderness in order to be. Okay. Let's go to Daniel. Cause I totally wrote, I said something about that. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. So that happens in chapter four where Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind. And I noticed, so that's the writing on the wall, right? Mm-mm. No, it's a dream. It's a mm-hmm. dream that he has. So, and this is also after you're right. He's already seen Daniel. Is the lion's den with Nebuchadnezzar or is that later? No, that's later. That's with Darius. Mm-hmm. So he's already seen the fire, the men in the furnace. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already acknowledged before that. Oh, because because Daniel tells him his dream. Remember mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Yeah, in that's the two. first miracle. So right. Daniel tells, he says, he says, everybody needs to come. 
had this dream, but you have to tell me what the dream was and then interpret it. And of course, no one can do it. I love that. Like, yeah, that he's I, like, that's so smart. I was oh, like, I know. Yeah. I don't want any of you guys who are just going to hear the dream and just give me some interpretation. Right. I'll know that it's, yeah. I was like, that's, yeah. I mean, I never really saw it. It's kind of, as like brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So he's had that, he's experienced that with Daniel telling him his dream. Then he sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fourth man in the furnace. Um, then he has this other dream that predicts that he's going to have to basically live like an animal for seven years. Well, in chapter four, right after um, Daniel tells him what that dream means, in verse 28, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Just 12 months later, he was walking on the balcony of the royal palace in Babylon and boasted, look at this, Babylon the Great, and I built it all myself a royal palace adequate to display my honor and glory. Mm-hmm. And so I was just thinking like that 12 year time or the 12 month time frame caught my eye. Cause I was thinking, so a year ago, he's been told you're going to, you're going to be banished to live as an ox. A year is like a long time to forget. Yes. It's like long enough to totally forget and start to question whether or not it's actually going to happen, but it's also short enough that he should have remembered. Like you would think he, <laughs> yeah, that's good. you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. long and short in both ways. And I just thought mm-hmm. that was interesting that because that's why he, it's not even that he stops believing that God is God necessarily. It's the fact that he, he both, right. He thinks that he accomplished all of it on his own. Yes. Um, it's like, it's his arrogance and pride that it's funny. You say that. Cause I'm thinking to myself, I mean, and you're, I, I love that because you're right. It's like the year timeline is perfect. But as you're saying it, I was like, I can do that in a day. Like I oh, can yeah. do that in 12 minutes. Like, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> I need God. I'm kind of amazing. I yeah. need God. <laughs> no, that's true. But when he, um, does it, does Daniel say in I'm just looking to see if Daniel tells him like, it's because of your arrogance. Um, Well, this will go on. You will be soaked in heaven's dew. This will go on for seven seasons and you will learn that Mm -hmm. the high God rules over human kingdoms and that he arranges all kingdom affairs. Yeah. So that does like, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar forgot who was in charge really, Mm -hmm. which you're right. They can, I can do that in much less time than 12 months but still like it was a significant moment right like that was mm-hmm. when god tells you something in such a dramatic way right you i think i would remember it for longer yeah. than, i think i yeah. would carry that for longer than 12 minutes for sure yeah so, i mean you're to your point it's yeah a really good point there was kind of something that i i i, I don't know whether i have it i don't know whether it's close enough to my brain to be able to think about how i want to talk about it but that scene where Micaiah, the prophet, I think Micaiah is the prophet. Yeah. Jehoshaphat is like, or Jehoshaphat, one of the Kings was like, Hey, bring up, don't you have a man in the land to tell you a guy in the land? Are we back you? in first Kings now? Yeah. Sorry. There was oh, one okay. thing back there that I was kind of like, I had just sort of been pondering. Um, I think it made me think of the prophet that, um, did we wanted to do and ended up dying 
the man of God, but this man of God, Micaiah, they call him in and, but the King was like, oh, no, we're not calling that guy. Cause that guy always prophesies bad things about me. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want him. And Jehoshaphat was like, don't say such a thing. So he's like, okay, we'll go get him. And then he goes and gets him. And all of these prophets prophesy the same thing. And Micah says, Micaiah says, I'm going to tell you exactly what the Lord of what the word of the Lord is. And he was, tells them exactly what all the other prophets say. Right. And which, what was the thing that we read recently? We read recently something that was like, I'm going to send a spirit. When, when David, his, he prays when, um, I forget who it is. His son, especially with an A, I think is trying to take over the kingdom. Uh-huh. And he, he, his advisor goes to his son's side and he prays that his advice will be confused. Is that yes. what you're looking for? No, there was actually oh, okay, something sorry. where said, there was, there was a, there was a passage where he says, I saw heven open. Yep. It actually is this story. It's 18. So the King of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you he never prophesies good about me, but only disaster. Then Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on this throne and the whole heaven army was standing by him at the right hand and at his left hand. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to march up and fall at Ramoth, Ramoth Gilead. So one was saying this and another was saying that then a spirit came forward and stood in the Lord's presence and said, I will entice him. The Lord asked him how he said, I will go and become a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. Then he said, you will certainly entice him and prevail. Go and do that. So I can't remember what it was, but that was the scene that made me think of, um, that was the scene that made me think of the times that like God does things that don't make any sense. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one right there. Yeah. I mean, that makes me think of Job. Right. It's like, it's like role reversal kind of, of yeah. Job, Job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the part that like, because my Micaiah was like, I will only tell you what the Lord tells me to tell you. And then it turns out like he actually tells them a lie, but then he changes it. Well, right. But like he knew ahead of time that like, it was going to be a lie because he saw a vision of God saying, go and tell them, go and send them, make sure that they go up. If for the first thing that he, the first thing they prophes- prophesied, Micaiah says in, in verse 14, which is before that vision, mm-hmm. the messenger, the messenger calls Micaiah, mm-hmm. look, the words of the Lord are unanimously favorable for the King. So let your words be like theirs and speak favorably. So Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, I will say whatever the Lord says to me. So he went to the King and the King asked him, Micaiah, should we go to R- Ramoth Gilead for war? Or should we refrain? And Micaiah told him, march up and succeed. The Lord will hand over to the king. And then, but the king said to him, how many times have I told you, um, have I made you swear not to tell me anything but the truth in the name of the Lord? So the king is like, I know the this king's is like, like something suspicious. About yeah. This. The only thing yeah. you ever say is bad things. So this can't be right. Right. Which again, like, I don't know. I think I ha- I've just been pondering this passage a lot and I don't know that I have very clear thoughts about it, except that how much we we avoid, when we know the truth, we avoid it. Like the guy is like, mm-hmm. I don't want him anywhere near me. Cause he's only going to tell me bad things. Mm-hmm. Even if he knows it's, right, the even truth. If it's true. Yeah. yeah. And then, so then he comes and he tells him the good thing. And he was like, no, no, don't sit like, just tell me the truth. You know, yeah. he was like, okay, fine. God told me to tell you a lie because he wants you to go up there and you're not going to succeed. <laughs> like just the, like, yeah. I mean, it's a very, it's just so confusing, but it's our human nature. It's it's a kind of our human nature in a nutshell, which is like, mm-hmm. I hate the truth. So I want it. No, I want it nowhere near me. And then I, that is helpful. 
I'm glad that you is it yeah because I read that yeah I read it but didn't follow that whole that Micaiah that Micaiah was like in on the secret in on the trick kind of yeah yeah changes the whole thing not not helpful in that it like gives me clarity on all of the, like not helpful like that. Just like, yeah. Oh, okay. It was a connection that I hadn't. Yeah. I'm not sure that it gives, I have any clarity. Of, no, of there's either. no, I do clear. remember yeah. it tied to something else. And I can't remember what the other thing that it was, that it tied to. Well, okay. But. So I will forever think of Ruth anytime there's like this, it just so happened kind of a phrase in the story of scripture. And that happens later on in this section when, um, because without because, taking special aim, I have it circled. Yes. Yes. So the message says randomly because they dress up. Jehoshaphat is dressed like the King to trick everybody. Yeah. But then someone without aiming shoots an arrow randomly into the crowd and hits Israel, hits the King of Israel. Before we get into seven, the first six chapters of Daniel, one of the themes that I think I love is just how it's constantly going back to the fact that like God is in charge of all of this. Like you think that you are running things, but, um, but no, (laughs) it, God is God's hand is everywhere. Um, and that was just a cool, um, theme that I, saw as I was reading the first six chapters, especially. And then at the end of chapter six, when Darius, after the lion's den thing, Darius gets tricked into, um, well, also the fact that Daniel's there for like what three Kings or does it end up being four Kings? Like he's there three Kings. Yeah. I literally wrote that in my margin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of, sometimes I get them like mixed up, but he's there for three Kings, which is kind of cool. And Darius at the end, Darius is the one who gets tricked into signing this edict that anybody who prays to anyone other than his statue or himself gets thrown in the lion's den, which I'm kind of like, dude, you know, Daniel, like, wh- why are you surprised? What is happening? Like, why are you surprised when this happens? I think that's, well, you, I mean, just off of what you're saying, like, that makes me think of just how easy it is to get wrapped up in yourself. Like, yeah, he does. He's not thinking about Daniel when he, yeah. when he makes that edict, even though he knows Daniel, he's just thinking about himself and he's what thinking, is oh, right yeah, in front that's of him to make me sound. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, and it, I'm sure when he realized, oh, I'm talking about Daniel, he was like, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. That sucks because I love Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. But it does make me think of a conversation I had recently where somebody was just like going on and on and talking and talking and talking about what was on their mind. And this is affecting me. Like what you're saying has to do with me, but they they didn't have any idea. You know, they were just kind of in their own, on their own journey in their head, you know? Uh That's what it makes me think of. It's just, we we can be wrapped up in what we're thinking and not even realizing that the very person in front of us has everything to do with what we're talking about yeah. and like not just unaware. Yeah. That's just yeah. how it, it's just how we are. Yeah. Daniel's on his third King. He's been faithfully serving through three Kings, faithfully watching each King need their own miracles and their own proof. Yes. And um, each one recognizes God like, yes. In him because of him, because, because of, of his yes, faithful God life. Of, yes. And three so, pagan Kings come to recognize that God is God. 
Yes. And I honestly, in my head, all I could think of is we have people like this in Washington. There are people in Washington who are faithfully serving president after president after president. And I should be praying for them. Like that's incredible to think about and what a burden Mm -hmm. to be, to be in the midst of all of that and trying to Mm -hmm. be faithful. And, but he does, he's put people there. He has to. Yep. That's what he does. Yeah. That's pretty cool too, to think about. Should we go to first and second Thessalonians? Yeah, I feel like, man, we didn't talk about chapter seven at all. Do you but want we to? Could, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to talk about it. Well, I think we're going to, I think we're going to come we back talk to about it, it from, yeah. first Thess- from the oh, Thessalonians. Okay, let's I have it. a feeling it's going to take us back to there. I, I kind of feel like that's going to jog my memory at least. Although I should ask, is there something specific that you're, that you don't want to talk about on the recording? Well, no, I just, it, seven is when we get into, you know, the whole like prophetic side of Daniel and the visions and how it combines with revelation and all, all of the, yeah. that's where a lot of, um, eschatology comes from. Yeah. Like the very specific time frames and the horns being certain places and nations and yes. like it gets very I mean if you if you interpret it like word for word literally and make each thing mean something specific that's where that's like one perspective of eschatology but when I was reading seven like I just was so this is one thing that I thought of um So Daniel is seeing the animals and the horns and like, he's watching all of this play out in his vision. And he says, as I was watching all this thrones were set in place and the old one sat down, his robes were white as snow. His hair was white, like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. It's wheels blazing. A river of fire poured out of the throne. Thousands upon thousands served him. Tens of thousands attended him. The courtroom was called to order and the books were opened. Then he keeps watching the little horn is speaking. Then um, this monster is destroyed. The other animals lived on for a limited time, but they didn't really do anything. They had no power to rule. My dream continued. I saw a human form, a son of man, arriving in a whirl of clouds. He came to the old one and was presented to him. He was given power to rule all the glory of royalty. Every race, color, and creed had to serve him. His rule would be forever, never ending. His kingly rule would never be replaced. So like Jesus, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about that whole, the idea that the monsters, this, okay, so this goes back to, I think I told you about when my brother preached and he was, I need to figure out, I need to ask him because I've asked him and then I've forgotten what the verse was that he used, but he talks about that when, when Jesus died and ascended back to heaven, he like, he defeated Satan, like Satan was thrown out. And so that's what this made me think of that this monster is killed, but there's these little animals that live on for a limited time, but they didn't really do anything and they didn't really have power. And it just made me think of like how we, how we interact with sin and like our fallen world, like there, it's still present and it has some power, but not like Jesus has already conquered it. Especially when we talk about it, like in the lives of a believer, lives of believers, like sin does not have power over me anymore. It's there, but that's so interesting. Jesus has already done that. Like it's been <clears throat> conquered. Yeah. I mean, if you certainly within our 
this framework. Yeah. Like the, the time that he takes his throne has come like mm-hmm. the way that we're now looking at eschatology. So like in, I think previously I looked at it as though it was, we're waiting for him to come and be the king and be enthroned and be the mm-hmm. king and rule. But like, as far as Dan- Daniel's talking about a bunch of things in the future and the times are like for him, the future, like this is what's going to come. And for us, it's like, well, if Jesus said my kingdom, like the kingdom of heaven is here, like, mm-hmm. And if Jesus is the one that's enthroned as King and that has happened, then that sets a different timeline. Mm-hmm. It's, it puts a whole different picture yeah. in place. Yeah, that's happening. Totally and I love the way that you're saying that, like the thought, and I, I want to go back. What verses are those? Do you know? So starting in verse nine, um, through like 14. Yeah. Reverse. Thousands upon thousands served him 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was convened and the books were open. I watched then because of the sound of the arrogant words, the horn was speaking as I continued watching the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was removed, but an extension of life was granted to them for a certain period. Holy crap. I know. Doesn't that, it's time. like, I continue watching. Like- yeah. Well then, so if you keep going down in verse, like the end of verse 22, um, the horn was making war on God's holy people and getting the best of them. But then the old one intervened, intervened and decided things in favor of the people of the high God. In the end, God's holy people took over the kingdom. Like it just, yeah, that's the end, right? That's what we're waiting right, for. Like that's the yeah. end, but like right now, yeah. like the horn making war on God's holy yeah. people and getting the best of them. That sure feels like happening. Like it's happening right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that feels very real. Yeah. That's so but good. Then the old one intervened. Like, I just love like they're ancient like, of days. It's called yes, ancient of days. Ancient I love like days. God of armies. He's called God of armies yes. in some places here. He's called the ancient of days. Ancient I love days. that. Yeah. He would be the father. Oh my gosh. The Holy ones took possession of the kingdom. Yeah. There's so much. Okay. But that's a good launching point, but to take us to Thessalonians, which we need to do fast. One of the things that I noticed just generally in first and second Thessalonians this week was that, um, it, I, I was again reminded that they are anticipating like this end thing that we just talked about from Daniel, like when they're anticipating that, like literally any second. Like they're yes. just waiting for it. Like it's happening guys. It's coming any second. Yes. And they like, it's fun to listen to them. The, so uh, my first underline that has to do with this is in um, chapter two verse starting. Well, I underlined verse 19, but if you start in 17, but as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, not in heart. We greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us for who was our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. Oh yeah. I should finish that. It says, is it not you? Indeed. You are our glory and joy. Just um, like the bit Satan hindered us like that whole, like that idea that he didn't have, he doesn't have power over us, but he's just, he's got he's annoying. He's an annoying yes. force yes. that comes and hinders us and do, does mm-hmm. these things, but like all power and glory has been given to Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. the church is his body is Christ's body. Like mm-hmm. we have 
all dominion and authority here on earth. And then like, it just kind of fits into that whole, like we are, we are his glory and he cannot be, he he cannot come against us. He cannot because he's been overthrown. Yeah. That's good. I love that Annika. I'm, I'm going to be thinking that's really good. I'm I'm really excited that you saw that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, It makes me excited to read the rest of Daniel because this is like, again, so when we did Beth Moore's Daniel study back in Gitmo, that was like part of a launching point for me into all this like eschatology stuff mm-hmm. when, cause I'm like, wait, this is what she thinks. Like, I just was really, cause she, at the time, I'm not sure that she's still there, but at the time right. she has a very, she had a very dispensational perspective, which mm-hmm. is what I had always been taught. And, but I had been questioning it already for a while, but hadn't dug into it. But that was like kind of a launching point for me, but I don't think that I've, I've listened to some stuff about Daniel since then, but I haven't gone back and actually like just read through it. Yeah. Well, I guess I did last year. That's not true. I just don't remember it last year. Yeah. So anyway, I'm excited to read it. So this, um, first Thessalonians four at the end is like, I don't, I must have memorized it as a child. Um, because I can quote it in my head, that whole, like oh, those yeah. who are alive and remain will be caught up together within the clouds, which is totally different in the Left message. Be but high. Yes. <laughs> I wish we could all be- okay. That's going to be in my head for the rest of the day. But, um, reading it, I don't know. I guess, uh, I think sometimes I don't, I'm not fair to what I was taught growing up. Like when I look back at some of the things, it just feels um, like heavy and dreary, which isn't probably a fair um, description of what I was taught growing up. For whatever reason, that's how I, like the lens I see see it through when I Uh look back. But when I read this, especially after reading, because I read this after I read Daniel this week and like just... Yes. I mean, like you, we talk a lot about just wondering like what we do in our studies and in this Mm -hmm. recap, we just wonder and like thinking about what is happening in those like realms, like when God pulls back the veil and reveals things to Daniel and like all the other prophets, like those things that we don't see, like, it's crazy to cut. It's like to let your mind wander and wonder about the battle and the, and the joy, like the anticipation that is happening about when this is all going to actually happen. And God's going to, Jesus is going to return and his people. And just like the joy, we didn't read this this week, but like people who are coming to know Christ and like the joy that it's just in heaven, the joy in heaven. Yes. Yes. So like this stuff makes me like, that's where my mind goes. And my just wonderings go about what is going on. If we could see clearly, what would it like all those in heaven that are seeing it all clearly? What is it? Yeah. Like, yeah. What is happening in them as they're like, yeah, I picture like a little girl, like stomping her feet back and like, just with like, Oh, yes. Yes. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And like, from our perspective, like we don't see, like we're in this like drudgery right now, I think Mm -hmm. of, Oh my goodness. Is this, how long is this going to go on? Yeah. This is hard. And I don't know. I think if we could see, if we could see past the veil, there would be so much, it would be different. Like it's a whole different perspective. I don't know. 
Yeah. And you said you brought us to the end of first Thessalonians chapter four, which made me think of, um, well, I saw in verse 15, it says for, we say this to you by a word from the Lord. And I wonder like, is this Paul going like, this is, I feel compelled to tell, like, I, this, like, is it like a, like spiritual gift word from the Lord? Is he oh, like, this is a word yeah. that I have for you, which is we who are still alive in the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Like that's, um, just like you said, I, it's just, it's, it's like the thrill of the imagining of what that is going to be like mm-hmm. at the relief for all those that are still walking on earth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then just the joy, like you said, of those that are in heaven, then in chap- the beginning of chapter five, where it says about the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not mm-hmm. need anything to be written to you. Why are you laughing? I'm just waiting. Keep going. No, I'm like, I think, you know, exactly where I'm going with mm-hmm. that. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape, but you brothers and sisters are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief for you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep like the rest. But let us stay awake and be self-controlled for those who are asleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and helmet of the hope of salvation. Mm-hmm. And I love this for God did not appoint us to wrath, mm-hmm. but to obtain salvation through our Lord, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Like the, I don't know that word appoint. I really love that. I think that's about the times and seasons. That's the part, obviously the seasons word is the part that I love because that seasons is, um, in the Jewish terms that would, that would have been like the, um, the feasts. That's what Mm -hmm. would have, they would have noted. And I like that. He's kind of saying like, it's going to come like a thief in the night, but that's for the people in the darkness. The people like those of you who are in the light are going, Mm -hmm. you're you're not going to be in the dark about it. You're actually going to have an idea, but stay Yes. Alert and stay on guard. And that's where it starts to get, I think, into like the idleness. And this is exactly, I mean, these are Jesus's words. That's what he tells us too. Like, don't be idle. Like Mm -hmm. be, let me find you working. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think this is kind of in that same, I think this is in the same vein that Paul then gets into in verse 14. And we exhort you brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak and be patient with everyone. But that like warn those who are idle. I think that's mm-hmm. what he's saying is like, get to work, get, get your brothers yes. and sisters to work. Like yeah. there's, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing the corporate prayer this week, this week for church. And I think that's in second, those Thessalonians, he uses it again, but that stuck out to me in first Thessalonians. So in second Thessalonians, it was like, yeah, that's my that's yeah. my heart. That's what I want to pray for is like for our idle brothers and sisters to mm-hmm. recognize that the time is coming and let them find us at See, work. Yeah. Yeah. What is the, yeah. 
not doing hard things, but what is it he's calling it? Like, what is, what's the passion? What's the thing that he's put inside you to do? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that section that you read in four before the idleness was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite sections this week. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love the way the message, the light versus darkness. So he says, um, you're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You are sons of light daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart then. Okay. So this phrase, um, starting in verse nine, he says, God didn't set us up for an angry rejection. That's what you said. Um, wrath chosen for wrath or whatever. Mm-hmm. He didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ, he died for us a death that triggered life. I don't know, but I love that phrase, mm. whether we're awake with the living or sleep with the dead, we're alive with him. So then that goes in that whole idea of being alive goes into just what you were just saying. Like you're alive, like act like it. Don't yes. be idle. Like act like you're alive, speak encouraging words to one another, build up hope so that you'll all be right. Re- all be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I just loved that phrase. He died for us at death that triggered life. Hmm. Oh, and then at the very end, okay. I feel like I've said this a lot. One of my favorite way, one of my favorite things that I've, I haven't said this specifically, but I've often noticed like how a book or something closes out. Like, I just feel like it's been really fun this year to see Mm. like, okay, so here's all this, but this is my final word. Like, this is what I want to leave you with. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've noticed it a lot with Paul as we've been reading epistles and stuff too. Um, But in verse 22, nope, 23, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said, if he said it, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. which that like, we've talked about that so much, like God does yeah. what he says he's going to do. And mm-hmm. so like, even that, that whole, um, we have a responsibility and it's a work of the spirit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. stop being lazy and get to work. And yet you have the spirit and the spirit is going to complete that work in you. Like it's yes. those, one of those things that you're like, ah, yes. how does that work together? Yes. That, that's exactly right. That's exactly the, the, um, needle I'm praying God will help me thread when I pray that prayer is that like, let it be heard for what it is, which is not, yeah. a, not, a, an exhortation to get to work, but an exhortation to not be idle. Like, right. It's, well, and it's, I think it different. goes back to understanding who we are. Like, that's why Paul's like, you are alive. Like Christ's death yeah. made you alive. Like, and Philippians, this is who you are or Colossians maybe now just just be who you are. Like, and it's not hard. Like when you recognize, when we recognize who we are and what Christ has done in us in making us alive and giving us the spirit, that's when we get to rest and the rest becomes the action. Like it's like this. Yes. It just happens Mm -hmm. when we recognize that we are alive in Christ fully alive. That is good stuff. I'd love to, I want to end there, but I feel like I owe everybody the the connection that I finally made to that Micaiah prophet. (laughs) Yes, you do. Uh, I found it to me at least it's in first Thessalonians or second Thessalonians, um, chapter two, 
This is so much more depressing than where, what you were just talking about. So I don't know that I want to, well, but I can tie back. I can finish up, but there's okay, another, good. we can tie back into that. Verse nine, it says the coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders. And with every wicked deception among those who are perishing, they perish because they did not accept the love of the truth. And so be saved 11 for this reason, God sends them a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie so that all will be condemned. Those who did not believe the truth, but delighted in unrighteousness. Hmm. Verse 11 is when that made me think of Micaiah where like God, God's in control of all the messages he sends and all Mm -hmm. of our brain workings and what we believe. And yeah. And just that, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's the point. It's like, it's almost like it's the second layer. Like it's like God saying here, you've already rejected me completely and fully chosen to not believe the truth. So I'm going to make it even worse. Like it's like the second layer of, which is kind of like what happens with Ahab. Ahab's like already like, I'm not believing this guy. Like I'm not acknowledging God. And so then there's like that other layer of like, okay, well then we're going to lie to them. We're gonna, I don't Dude. know. It's That's hard. That is not pleasant because I like the God of second chances a lot better, but, but I think that you're like, I think that's, I think that's the point that he's making. Right. Is it's like, you know, the truth. Right. And, and you are rejecting yes, that. Like, rejected it. And that's what mm-hmm. he's saying to that, to that King Ahab. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, the truth and you're rejecting the truth. And so I'm going to send a delusion on all the prophets to send the message that is, that confirms what you want to hear mm-hmm. already. Right. And again, like, and that, and then this thing that Ahab does when he says, tell me the truth. Like, I know I want, I know the truth. So just go ahead and tell me the truth. And so Ahab gives him the truth. And they still operate on the lie of the prophets. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's, so it's like, it's that, I think that's the yeah. point that you're making. It's like, they've already yes. made their choice yes. to reject the truth. Yeah. And that that's, that's the choice that they've made. And then, and not that I can, I'm not trying to make it sound like I understand God and how he's working and all of that. <laughs> but I feel like that illustration kind of is helpful and in maybe informing what God is doing by sending this delusion, this yeah. like the spirit of delusion, which is like they've already made their choice. There's no, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. whether they, they already know right. truth. And they've said, I, right. I don't want it anywhere near me. It right. makes me uncomfortable. And, and Ahab's yeah. like, kind of like what I was saying before about that whole, like, then you'll, when, when God delivers you from this mob, like, then you'll know, like Ahab's already had, God's already done the opposite of that multiple times. Like, yeah, look, this is who I am. Like I'm proving it to you with yeah. the prophets of Baal. And he's like, Nope, don't want it. Yeah. Nope, don't want it. Which makes me think again of like the same, it's the same thing in Jeremiah, where we find where God is like, I, I'm sending the people into exile who have rejected me, but whose hearts they're still like, their hearts are still, still a chance. Yeah. Yeah. The only one that he leaves are the ones that are like, he knows their hearts. He knows that hearts are mm-hmm. like the level of rejection that they, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. again, brain breaking yes, but at the same time, that's like trust that like, we can trust that he knows what he's doing and he's just. Yeah. It's your, I think that's one of those areas where you're like, I, I know God in all of these other ways. And so in this one, I don't get it at all. And I just have to trust you. Like, I just have to trust that God's character that he's revealed and proven over and over in a million other ways works this out because I don't get it. You know, like that's one of those, because that line, 
God sends them a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie. Like all you can, that is not fair. Like that's like, right. That's, that's not, not fair. like, right. Cause there are other passages where we're like, where God is not willing that any should perish and that there's like, there's, it's never too late. Like that we see that over and over too. So like though, and those things don't fit right. together. But really. again, that's the whole point of reading scripture. Cause we can go, Oh, well, we saw this just happened in Micaiah. Right. Maybe that kind of gives us an idea of like, like we saw it happen in Micaiah and like the fact that that can inform a passage, like, or mm-hmm. a, a line like this, that's like, doesn't make any sense. You're like, Oh no, he does. He does work like this. Yeah. And he knows what he's doing. So he knows what anyway. he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool how the whole word works together. Like that. Mm-hmm. you said you have a wrap up. Oh, well, okay. So this is in second Thessalonians once second Thessalonians one, um, at the end of chapter one, this kind of ties back into that whole, like working, doing mm-hmm. the, doing the work starting in verse, uh, 11 verses 11 and 12, because we know that this extraordinary day is just ahead. We pray for you all the time. Pray that God will make you fit for what he's called you to be. Pray that he'll feel He'll fill your good ideas and acts of faith with his own energy so that it all amounts to something. Isn't that so cool? I loved that. That's exactly with what we were talking about. How, yes. Like how, what we do works together with what God does that, that he, the fact that he would even, and I don't, and I understand that I'm reading the message and that this is an interpretation or a paraphrase, but like that he'll fill your good ideas and acts of faith with his own energy so that it amounts to something that God's like. Hey, good idea, Aaron. I'm yes. going to fill that with me yes. and we're going to go with it. Like, yes. that's, that's pretty cool. Yes. Yes. That's so crystal. I know you're listening to the recap. This is going to be in our prayer this week for sure. In the message version. Cause I do in love the message that version. Yeah. Yep. And then at the end of that, um, right after what I just read, he says, if your life honors the name of Jesus, he will honor you. Grace is behind and through all of this. Our God giving himself freely, the master Jesus giving himself freely. The gospel is incomprehensible. That's the recap. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.